Welcome to the Theatre of Others podcast. My name is Adam Marple, and I'm the co-artistic director of the Theatre of Others. With the COVID-19 pandemic forcing a shutdown and re-evaluation of space and gathering, we at the Theatre of Others are thinking about what stories we need and how best we can share them. We believe space is psychology, and it informs the way in which an audience interacts and reacts to what is presented to them. We create uniquely theatrical events in bespoke sensory performance spaces crafted to encourage curiosity and grant the audience permission to commune with the play. Now that that space has moved online, how can we encourage interaction and action amongst an audience virtually? The Theatre Brothers produces plays that both welcome and challenge the audience. We are committed to international collaboration and are a laboratory that helps artists grow through intensive study of their craft. The Theatre Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purpose of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question, to join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task, and it requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? On the podcast today from Melbourne, Australia, our co-artistic directors, Woody Miller, and myself in Cairo, Egypt. This podcast contains explicit language. Hi, Adam. Hi, Moody. How you going? I'm feeling. I'm feeling very righteous. Feeling very. You're wrong. Correct. You're feeling very no. wrong. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. No, you're and, feeling and wrong. Non-binary you conforming me? individuals. You're, you're wrong. There, we, I'm not wrong. We, we see. How do you start a podcast like this, Adam Marple? You're wrong. <laughs> Everyone, we have to let you know that there are some errors in our show notes. There are no errors in Adam? the show notes. There are no errors the, in the show notes. Go is, and look at the show notes. The, and you will see that there are no errors in the show notes, that you are wrong, that there is another pronunciation that has been in, in fashion for the last 50 uh, years, no. but is not correct no, outside of no, France. No, no. Yes, yes, yes. No. Why don't you just no. look at the show notes? Why don't okay, you just look so, at the show notes? Why don't you just look at the show notes? Why don't you just look I don't it need up? to look at the show notes. I am the show notes. You are you are wrong. And you are staying in your ignorance. And okay, wait. In before, this education before podcast. This, this, be, <laughs> before we continue this education podcast, mm-hmm. before we t- continue this education podcast, what are we talking about, Adam Marple? What is, Daddies what is this, are fighting what is again. Dispute? <laughs> Jack, correct- I think Jack needs to come on. Jack, get the baby on. No. Get, get the baby on the call. Jack, come on. You, correct- you, you have evidence that we need to share correct- with our listeners. The correct pronunciation right of now. the word that is spelled N-I-C-H-E, the correct pronunciation is niche. There is, however, another pronunciation that has been accepted for the last 50 to 60 years, niche, that for some reason has taken hold amongst people, and they think that's the only pronunciation. Anglophiles. Anglophiles. You're an Anglophile. Anglophiles. Just, just admit that you're an Anglophile. I speak English in this you said podcast only the in French. which we are speaking that English. Couldn't be more Anglo- that couldn't be more Anglophilic. You know I'm a big Francophone. So I just had to have however, a nice, delicious however, libation from my theater of others. a thousand years, Water for bottle. a thousand years, this word 
was niche. For 65 to 70 years, for 65 to 70 years, it's French. For a thousand years, this it's word English. was niche. For 65 years, this word was niche. Yes. Since World War II, this world, this word is niche. Um, why are we arguing when people have choices? They can say niche or niche. Yes, they could. They be can say potato or, they or be potato. Wrong. You're right. They could say potato. Like no, some you just said for 65 years that niche is what it's been called. No, niche has been in vogue. It's not been what it's been called. Niche has been an option, just as you could say potato and be wrong. And, 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 tomato. And, 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 and people can use the option. What's wrong with using the option? They can. Well, it's good if they know that there is an option instead you're of wrong. just thinking it's one thing. I just want to say, you're wrong, I'm right. Okay, moving on. Uh <laughs> Why are you doing this? Because I said. Why did you do that? Because. (laughs) Why do we have to do What is the answer? It it doesn't matter what the answer is. The answer is I'm right. (laughs) My goodness. Wow. What a fiery podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So maybe, you know what? This is this. Okay. This is my provocation to our listeners. Call in and tell us what, what. Pronunciation you use. Do you say niche or do you say niche? Do people in your family and in your uh, your colleagues at work, your colleagues who have PhDs at work, your family members who travel the world, <laughs> do they say niche or niche? Maybe they don't even know what the word is. Maybe no one except for the two of us even use that word anymore. Probably, probably. Let's leave it up what's, to our what's, listeners. What's more likely? Adam Marple, how, how can we find out? How can how can we find out they did this? <laughs> they can go to MiriamWebster.com and they can find the proper pronunciation there. And then they can write <laughs> into us at podcast at theaterofothers.com. Or if we if they would like us to hear their lovely voice pronouncing it correctly, they can go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. And speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Theater with an R-E. Theater of others, all one word. What's more likely? What's more likely is that nobody knows that there is the option of the other one. They have probably been told one or the other, which in your mind has been this case. You've been told it's niche, and you think that you're right and I'm wrong, and you didn't know that there was. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Pronunciation. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. You don't know what's going on in my mind. Never. You cannot project what you think is going on in my mind. Okay. My so mind knows me. the two. My, my mind knows the two different ways you can pronounce it. But my mind knows the right way, and my mind knows the wrong way. And the right way is niche. <laughs> Jack, come on. Jack, you need to come on this podcast and finish this podcast okay. with booty because I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Jakina, come on. Come on, Jakina. <laughs> Jakina, get on here. <clears throat> we need to call our producer on. It is official. I, My best friend has canceled me. <laughs> I think it's niche. Boom. Uh, Jakina, can you please can you please play the audio? Just make sure to play both Thank of them. Thank you. And make sure to we play went the to first the we one. went to the interwebs. Everyone, please make sure to play both of them. Okay. Make sure to play the first one. In fairness. Thank you.
As, to be fair, I'll play what the first, the first one, one that is available on the website, which is Merriam-Webster. That's the Anglophile version. Okay. Niche. Oh. Boom. 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 Niche. No, 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 no. There's, there's no. There's no boom. There's no boom there. As someone that lives in Victoria, Australia. There's no boom, boom there. Boom. You can't say boom if you you said literally, Jack. You can play this back. You can find this like two minutes ago where you say you're right and everyone else is wrong who does that. So there's no boom there. If Merriam-Webster, in their first pronunciation definition, proves you wrong. Whereas I am saying, who's Merriam-Webster? Pronunciation, please. Who is Merriam-Webster? Oh my God! <laughs> I'm not. See, the thing is, I'm not trying to gaslight our audience like you are in this moment. Oh wow! You <laughs> used the trigger word. You used the safe word. It's not a safe word. I'm not. We're not in somebody's dungeon, and I'm spanking you, and you say gaslight, and I stop. That's not the. That's not the safe word. (laughs) (laughs) Now he pulls the safe word on me. Okay. Oh my god. I don't mean to gaslight our listeners. I'm sorry, listeners. I don't mean to gaslight you. Use whichever pronunciation you feel like. Except I just want you listeners to know, as as university professors, I want you to know that there are two possibilities, and both are correct. So use whichever one you want to. Art and education podcast, exactly. So what are we talking about today, Adam Marple? We are talking about an article that uh, Joshua Waterstone sent uh, us and said that we should talk about this. And this is actually the second part of a series of another episode that we've just done where we were talking about the bully. And we're, so the series is uh, in the New York Times and it's about the sacred mm. cows of theater. And this episode and this article is about when paying dues doesn't pay the rent, how does the theater survive? So we are talking about the hustle. We are talking about the change mm. in the so what last does that mean? What does that mean for, for our international audience? Well, what does the hustle mean has in America? Been, What's the hustle mean in, in Singapore? Is it the well, same in Singapore been, and America? Theater has been uh, unsustainable financially for <laughs> centuries. Um, or at least we <laughs> thought it was. Or at least we thought it was. And this article... Um, raises questions on that model. And in the last two years when um, we were all forced to shut down and be inside and reevaluate, and a lot of people lost their jobs, a lot of, a lot of theaters laid off their staff, and a lot of theaters shut down, um, a lot of artists started to question this model of saying, why can't we have a living wage as artists? Why can't we even have a minimum wage why are there interns or apprentices who aren't even getting paid but working 40 to 80 hour weeks for your theater company? And so a lot of companies, um, they, they were protested by their artists. And so the question is now going to be, do we need another endowment for the building or do we need an endowment for the artists? And after our conversation last week with uh, Sarah Claire, who you know, says there, there are other models out there, we should be rethinking what it is 
as an artist um, that we suffer through and that idea of the suffering artist, mm. how we need to put that to bed, just like we need to put to bed method acting and bullying in the rehearsal room. So what the hustle has mm. typically meant in the United States is you've got several gigs going on, several jobs going on, you know, your day job, you're waiting tables, you're maybe you know, moonlighting as something else, and then you're getting paid under minimum wage for a show that you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah. you love it, because that's the way the artist, you know, pays their dues, literally pays their dues to the industry. Um, and that's what the hustle is in the United States. In, in Europe, it's different. In Singapore, it'll be different. In Australia, it'll be different because eco- the economies will be different to scale. And um, there are more protections in some places. And there are sometimes you're in a union, sometimes you're not in a union. So, we're talking about kind of all of that today and rethinking the suffering artist. I think. I think what was great about the conversation that we had with Sarah Claire Corporandi um, mm-hmm. is that the the top down kind of management scheme it is it's dying, you know, and so yeah. that that um, co creating as a, a production. Um, team that she has uh, allows you to see those kinds of holes in the system because when it's top down, you have a, you have one person's perspective, but they have four women that are working together equally, and they all have different tasks, and they able are able to move around and actually see and hover over smaller systems. So then when they come together, they go, well, this, this needs to be addressed. And I think mm-hmm. the, 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 that um, paying your dues comes also comes out of uh, the world of apprenticeship as well. And where, uh, where there were no drama schools and there were no actor training programs, it was apprenticeship that led us. Mm. That led that led us into understanding the craft, and as an apprentice, you were there learning the skill to become a master at at the skill, and then you would be, you know, you you go and find another job, or you'd be working with the company. And I think um, over the years, with the 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 lack of resources for theater companies. Um, and, we're, that's, and when we're talking about theater companies, we're talking about theater companies that have uh, um, a season of work, and they do, or they're doing, they have a space, and they have a theater, and they're, yeah. and they they have artistic directors, and you know where there should be uh, a scheme in the in the pace in the in the pay scale of the people that are contributing to the production, whether they are in the costume department, um, sewing uh, costumes. And the props, sourcing props, um, crew, uh, building the sets, um, focusing lights, um, you name it. Um, or front of the house. <laughs> and um, and I think that, can you imagine, let's say like front of the house, front of the house apprenticeship. Oh God, that sounds painful. That sounds dreadful. <laughs> But I think essentially is the articles talking about there there are actual people that um, put in their time and energy into these uh, these institutions and they they 
They make less than people at McDonald's. Yeah. You can work at McDonald's yeah, and make more money. What was the what was the the yearly? It was like 20, 20, 20 a year 000. or eighteen thousand a year. Yeah, people, people, you know, these, this article is talking about a, a, a specifically talking about a, a first hand in a costume shop, and she works 40 plus hours a week making $20,000 a year. That's, that's below the poverty line in the United States. And she, and she doesn't eat, y'all. She, the, the theater company feeds her. So her food comes from the theater company. Yeah. That is like, that's slavery. It is. Indentured, indentured servitude. Sharecropping. Well, I mean, it's not. She could leave. That's the thing. She could, she could leave and go do something else, which is what's happening in the industry is people are leaving and they're going and getting day jobs. You know, she's going and doing anything, literally anything else. She could go and get a job at McDonald's and she'd be better off. And that's... That's the that's a problem. That's I mean we we're we're going to see a mass exodus of the industry of incredibly skilled, overqualified, overeducated people who can't survive in the industry in which they have been trained and they have a passion, they have a love because they can't pay the gas bill. So they'll go and be a barista. Oh lord. At Starbucks because there'll be insurance. But okay, so so then so then is it because is it because the theaters are making enough money or the theaters are just corrupt? I think it's a little well, I don't want to say corrupt. I don't, I don't I don't know what corrupt means in this in this sentence, but there has been a structure and an idea that is corrupt that is um and this is this is always the case with any institution and as uh, we in the university sphere know this the more the larger an institution becomes and Sarah Claire even kind of um uh, alluded to this last week the larger an institution becomes the more institution the more the institution needs to protect the institution so the larger a a theater company or the larger university becomes, the more admin staff you need to add on to keep the institution going. And so what happens is you, the admin staff starts to outnumber the artistic staff because the admin staff is full-time year-round. They will have decent pay, whereas the artist gets whatever is left over. That's the kind of the corrupting thought That's horrible. that needs to be changed. It is, but that has been always the yeah. case. Everywhere, unless you are in subsidized theater, and then it, it's a little bit different. So, if you're in a European model of theater, it's this you know this conversation doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But in the United States, in Australia, I imagine in <coughs> Singapore for sure, um, this is this is typically the case that the artists will get paid the least amount that's there, and it's usually a, a you know a set thing that doesn't go up or go down. It's always going to be this, even if inflation raises. And um, you take it or you leave it. And that's how the industry puts it. The onus is on you, the artist, to say if you want to suffer or not. And then you can't blame anybody because you took the job. (laughs) I know. I know. I think... (laughs) 
I, it's, it's funny because I, I, it's once again going back to how Sarah Claire deals with it is like the community that she serves. Everything is so community driven. Her theater is a it's a theater for the community. And because yeah. it's a theater for the community, they they understand that their staff is part of a community as well, and that their staff yeah. needs to be treated fairly the way you would in a <clears throat> in a community driven uh, company, you know. Mm. And I think for because I think because and, and then she was also talking about and it's like it's like a, it's like the she was amazing, y'all. Y'all need if y'all didn't listen yeah. to the conversation with that Sarah Claire Corporandi from the, uh, Detroit Public Theater, she it was it was like she was dropping knowledge. She dropped the gauntlet. She she the she dropped the mic. She she dropped the baby. Uh oh, uh oh. She dropped the baby. <laughs> No, uh, she didn't drop the baby. She 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 cared yeah. for the baby. She she suckled the baby and brought the baby to 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 to, to successful term. And now the baby's growing into a two million dollar company. Um, right. And she was just really good at talking about how every time that um, that problems would arise, that she would go in and become a get. Be, get aware, become aware. And the community being a part of a major um, um, fulcrum for them to understand what this theater needs. And then uh, saying that this type of management and this type of management scheme works well for audiences. Audiences love it. You know, mm. And if an audience loves something, they're going to come back. And if, the, and if there's butts in the seats... There's money to be had. So it's kind of like you have to go in the opposite direction. What is, and you have to look at the actual, what, where, where do you, where, where are you putting value? Yeah. You know, and it's, and if you're making plays that people don't want to see, maybe you should cons consider your audience a little bit more. Yeah, but wait a minute. Hold on a second. So does that mean that the theaters are only going to do Christmas carols then? Ew. Because, but the audiences want to but see it. But the question Clearly, is, it sells out. The, no, 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 no. This, no, this. Well, this is the thing. How you? How do you know if you don't? If you don't challenge them, you know, it's like they don't. They don't know what they want to see until you give them something. If you, if you only know that pumpkin pie is your option. And then you taste sweet potato pie, you lose your mind. And you want sweet <laughs> potato pie and pumpkin pie. You can even say that you have a mood for it. You can even say, you know what I'm in the mood for? I'm in the mood for a sweet potato pie. You know what I'm in the mood for? A pumpkin pie. But if all you have is pumpkin pie, you say, I'm so tired of eating pumpkin pie. I don't want pie. I, I don't want pie. I hate pie. But what, hap <clears throat> but what happens if you're this metaphorical Thanksgiving theater company? If you decide not to put out pumpkin pie this year and you put out sweet potato pie and then nobody eats that sweet potato pie and you're left with sweet potato pie on that table at the end of the day, that's the concern and worry that theater companies have. Is, I, didn't say well, take, I, I, didn't say, I didn't say remove sweet potato pie. Right, but I, I what you're saying is – I just pumpkin pie. Right, but you're, what we're talking about actual reality and, and resources here, the theater company only has the resources to make pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie. 
why all of a sudden can they make two pies? What I'm, what I'm saying is, okay, then, then make a pumpkin cake. So they can so they can see the taste, recognize the taste, have a different texture. So a four person, and then Christmas when you Carol. realize that they like cake, a four person Christmas Carol, <laughs> no, <laughs> with an Asian Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why does why does the pumpkin part? Why does the pumpkin part need to be a Christmas Carol? Why can't the pumpkin part be? community a family story why can't the pumpkin be a family story because unfortunately in this case we know we know we know we know that that pumpkin pie that christmas carol does sell (laughs) so i'm hey i'm not advocating for a christmas carol if a theater company never does it again it would be no skin off my teeth but what i'm saying is if if i am this theater company and i know that that 40 percent of my operating budget will come because people will come and watch a Christmas Carol. It's going to be really hard for me to gamble on anything else that could possibly hinder my 40% of my operating budget, which is what Christmas Carol will guarantee me. I don't want to see Christmas Carol. I, I, do, I'm not interested in Christmas Carol. Well, but well, well, the, the, I would say, I would say, look at, because you have to, you have to take a chance. You have to, you know, change is, change can be painful. Change is, change is always uncomfortable. It's because it's new. But when you have the wisdom to understand that change is, is just by, by, by its very nature uncomfortable and the outcomes are not guaranteed. But, and I think what ended up happening where people, you know, post COVID and when people had to actually be forced to change, and make and make adjustments. They start to see, oh, it there. It's actually feasible. It's this is not so bad after all. But what I'm <clears throat> what I mentioned before is, when an institution becomes a certain size, the institution's number one goal is sustainability, staying alive, and mm-hmm. so you know. Sarah Claire is offering mm-hmm. this other this other option, which again they've started the, they've started this company. This company is seven years old now. They're nimble, the nimbality that they talk about. That's exactly what is interesting. But if you're say uh, Lincoln Center Theater or your uh, whatever Lort B Regional Theater in America, your number one goal is to survive till next year. It's not to make change. And so what's What's yeah, but if you're Lincoln Center, you're doing more than just a Christmas Carol. Yeah, of course, Lincoln Center is not the not the right idea. Uh, Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park, let's just say that, or you know, um, the Alliance Theater and so Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park is only doing one play. They're only doing one play a year. No, they're doing they're doing a season they're of doing, plays. They're but doing a, a year long season of a Christmas Carol. No, but forty percent of their operating budget comes from a Christmas Carol. <laughs> For sure. For 35 years, this has been their, their December production. For all their no- November and December production. So are okay. they going to take a so chance then, in that? So then the rest of that can be focused. But then the rest of it is to, to push, the rest of the season is to push the audience. Not away. 
challenge and pull them in closer, but you have to engage them. And you know this. How well do you engage them with the content, with the material? But I'm, you just I'm throw playing it up there and I, expect them to be. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I'm playing devil. No, I, I love you. I love. I love your devil. Because you because devil. this this article clearly really I love you, little did. devil. Look at how we started the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this this article really <laughs> it, it I was really conflicted reading this article because I see absolutely both sides of this argument. So let's use Cincinnati Playhouse model. So they have a season of seven shows based off of the existing pay structure that they have. And I don't know what their pay structure is, and I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to de- degrade Cincinnati Playhouse in the park. I worked there once. It seemed lovely. I don't know if they pay their artists well or they don't pay their artists well, <laughs> what their admin staff is, what their admin staff isn't. But let's just say, they let's pay just you? use this. Yes, I, I worked in the education department. It was fine. Uh, so let's say that this model is the same model that we're talking about in this, this article, where a very inflated admin staff and a very underpaid artistic staff. What this article is suggesting is doing less shows so that you can pay more. So now we're taking this seven play season where there's possibility for, you know, mm-hmm. adventure and and pushing the audience in different ways and m- moving that down to three. So now we have three plays, one of which is going to be Christmas Carol because it's going to be 40% of the operating budget. So now we only have two plays that we're doing as a theater company. And one of those two and those two plays are now what we're going to use to push the audience. But now we are make bringing in less money because we're doing less shows. So you see, it becomes a perpetuating cycle. But of, are you? But the question is, are you? That's the thing is, are you? You don't know that until you, like, that's a hypothetical thing. You know, I find I find that people who get paid a, a, a livable wage and a considered wage a fair wage, work better. There's higher productivity. There's, and and so it's like, when you have, like, for example, but look, she's got, Sarah Clara has, their staff has medical insurance. I, hey, no, (laughs) America. I'm not, I'm not arguing that, but, but you just use the word productivity. We're not making widgets. So if our, if our, if our employees are happier they're not making more product because theater is a finite, very no, ephemeral the, thing. But, but it's not about no, no. When I'm talking about productivity, it's like when somebody is invested in in the company, they they come up with other ways to get the company to make money. You know, it's like it, okay, you're a seamstress and you're getting paid. You're getting paid a you know a fair wage. You have you have. Um, you have medical insurance. You have uh, proper time off. There, there, there is just a vibration in your in your building that people res- that people respond to. If the if the building is filled with darkness, that darkness is in the that's in the, the walls. So I, people I, may not be saying anything, but the vibration is there, and the audience feels it. the art the the artists that are working in the theater feel it. But if 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 an artist and the 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 um, creative teams that are that are that are a part of it and administration all are moving moving through the space with with love and respect and and a, an honest wage, 
the vibe in the room is going to be different. I I think the vibe in the room will be different. I don't know how that correlates into more money for the theater company, though. And because again, it's a I'm social, playing, it's a I'm social playing media. devil's advocate it's here. It's a transference just, of age. It's I know it's it's a transference of energy. Theater is about the transference of energy, the transference of embodied energy. And if the walls are full of kindness, stability, fairness, that goes into that goes into the work. And the audience will feel it when they walk in the room. That when they walk into the when they walk into the foyer. A clean home by someone who loves their home is different than a clean home by someone who could give a fuck. Yeah, the maid that you hire to come in and clean your house. <laughs> These dirty ass people. Right. <laughs> right? It's 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 just and I think I think that's been proven time and time again when you have it's you you see it in, in so many different ways when people are paid properly and fairly and given benefits the business does better that's so, proven okay, business so, does better when people so can you talk about this then because i remember we had this conversation god maybe 10 years ago now can you talk about, because we've been talking about a theater company, we've been talking about an institution and an organization, but let's talk about that freelance actor who doesn't have the um, institutional wherewithal to change the industry, but has to take work. Can you talk about the starving artist mentality, the suffering artist mentality? And do you remember what you said to me <laughs> 10 years ago when I, when I was talking about this? Do you remember what you said to me? That it's because you're an artist, you don't have to be starving? Well, that, that's the gist of it, yeah. But so I, I, I there's, a, there's a director, a French director named Patrice Chereau. Amazing, amazing opera director. He did some film, a theater director. Um, and... I took on this mentality that he had, which he said, you know, the artist needs to live amongst the people and the majority of the people don't have money. So he lived in, you know, the kind of the, the <laughs> he lived in, he lived in the subsidized French housing amongst the people. And, you know, that, and I took that on as just like, yeah, you're right. You need to, you know, you need to live amongst the people and the people don't have money. So I can't have that. And I, I shouldn't be able to, to, to do that. So I need to know what the, the citizenry is like. And that was that's something that I don't know where it's <laughs> drilled into us, why that's drilled into us that that's the case. But you said, why can't I go on vacation? Why can't I enjoy these shoes? Why can't I do these things? If I make this money, if I earn this, <laughs> if, if with my own blood, sweat, tears, and hands, I have earned the money to do this, why can't I enjoy mm -hmm. the good things of life? So can, mm -hmm. you, can, can you talk about now the freelance actor's responsibility or, or um, ability to speak up for their living wage, for that, that vibration, to ask for that vibration 
without fear and re- and repercussions because I think that's where a lot of people like of course we want to make more money but I'm just afraid to ask for it. I'm afraid to negotiate. I'm afraid to say no well, to that look, job. I think first thing is the first thing is like you don't know anything until you ask. That's the first one. That's the first thing is like you don't know if there's money until you ask. You know, and it, and I think you also have to look at the situation as well. Like, and um, the other thing is that, like, artists, we walk through everyone's doors. We walk through the poorest homes, walk in the poorest homes, and we walk through, we walk into the king's realm. Kings and queens and, and CEOs, they love to be around us fabulous artists. They love us. Yeah. Yeah. They love to give us money. They love to patronize. Um, and... I think uh, that the proper the proper idea really doesn't doesn't really serve us. So you have to know all all walks of life as an artist, mm-hmm. and I think you also need to go with your own aesthetic. If that's what you want to do, and you love that, you love if you love to be amongst the people in that way. And I love to be amongst the people. Trust me, that's, I I do as well. But when it comes to myself and my ever daily my ever daily day. You know, I, I, I don't come from money. I, I don't come from privilege. And um, I wanted to know what that was like. So I, I spent a lot of time on the other side trying to figure out what that, what that felt like. And I was like, I like having money. I like having nice things. I do. Mm-hmm. But that's my aesthetic, you know. Yeah. But when it, when it comes to a, a freelance artist, it, and knowing your aesthetic is actually the key to success, that's the key to your branding. You know, if you know if you know what you are when you walk into a room, you know what your value is. And 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 so does the people that are hiring you, you know? Um, and that's a that's a that's a whole nother podcast when we talk about um aesthetic into branding, which I think um is a is another conversation at a at a later date. But mm-hmm. essentially being able to navigate Paying your gas bill, having food on the table, and taking a job that that feeds your 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 soul, you know that's I think it's a relative thing. Like you have to do, you have to, you have to to make a decision on do you pay your bills and have a roof over your head, or do you do this free show? I think yeah. uh, free work should be something that you have passion for. And that it doesn't get in the way of your your the work that is paying the gas bill. Um, that being said, keep your rent low. <laughs> keep your keep your expenses low. You, you 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 can't you can't if you can't afford Balenciaga, you can't buy Balenciaga. You know, and there will come a day when you can afford Balenciaga when you start getting those bigger jobs. But there's that there you have to look at when you if you're not getting paid well to be an actor, you need to develop your skills as an actor, as an artist. And there's cost, there's a cost to that. And I, I don't want to think of it as like pay your dues, but because pay your dues it has this in this conversation has a negative connotation. I think of it as a sense of Investment. learning, learning the learning the the ropes, you know. Like figuring out how to climb that rope, you know, of of getting work that pays you, of being an actor that is that 
people trust and want to give money to. You know, it's like there's it's it's an industry that is uh, saturated with a lot of dreams of performing, but very few artists and very few um, uh, uh, um, hardworking people. It's hard work to be an artist. It's a lot of hard work, and and the sacrifice that you you make needs to be in the direction of developing your yourself as a person in the art in the arts and you know sometimes you do have to take those jobs sometimes you you do have to work at McDonald's right and and that's good money but it, the focus is your your work as an artist and that, and, and there will come a day when you will say this art is more important than this job. Listen to your heart. Follow it. But ultimately, you want to be working towards doing things that keep you in the in the work, you know? And I think that's where this model of pay your dues is able to thrive <laughs> because people want to be surrounded around the work, you know? Mm-hmm. But... You should be getting paid well for it. You should be getting a, a living wage for it, you know? And then you get a point where, like, it's not enough for me to be a house manager. I actually want to be that director. I actually want to be that writer. I want to be that actor. I need to, fig- I need to figure out how to tr- transition from that. So it's a negotiation. And, you know, as as jobbing actors... Our worlds live in the temporary. It's like you have one job and you're already working for another job. You're constantly in this this sense of unemployment, and it's a it's a, a certain kind of person that can be able to survive that lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, and really thrive and 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 enjoy the the unknown and freedom of that lifestyle. Because there's a lot of freedom in that sense of being an artist where um, you don't have to go and and be a barista. Or that when you are a barista, you know that that's just, that's just to pay the, pay the stuff that's going to help you keep developing your craft so that you can one day just take the big leap and go, I'm now I'm doing art 100%. And I'm going to let the universe provide for me so that there's nothing else for me to do. But it's only, it's only you that can be able to negotiate when that time comes for you in your life. And you'll know it. You'll feel it. Yeah. You'll feel it because you'll get really frustrated. <laughs> you'll be like, enough of this job. Yeah. Enough of this. I'm an artist. I'm going all the way. I'm done. You know it. You know exactly what it feels like. And and that's 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 actually part of it. Like until you can ha- have that fire burning in you, there's a pilot light burning, you know, and then all of a sudden it catches fire. When you feel that, that's when you go. That's when you're like, it's the, I I feel this. I need to. You know what? I was born and raised in Australia, and I feel that I need to go to America. I don't know why. America's a fucking hot mess right now, but I, there's something in me telling me I gotta go to America. Go. You're in, you're in America. You're like, I, I, I got to get the hell out of here. I, I feel, follow it. That's what I did. I followed all the different things that made sense to me. And then I started to craft a, 
my life as an actor, my life as a teacher, my life as an academic, my life, how I do it. It may not look like anything that you would want to do. And that's fine with me because it's not your life. It's my life. It may not make any sense to you, but that's okay. It's my life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to make sense to you. You know, I, I there was, um, uh, I had an acting student once. Um, she was a, um, uh, a, uh, what are they called? Uh, the stock market people, the the trade. She was a trader. Trader. So she was she was in the, she worked in um, the stock market, right? And uh, and she her focus was I'm just gonna make enough money so then I can go and be an actor, go and be an artist, and never think worry about fin- financing my life. That's who she was, mm-hmm. and she made enough money, and then she went and got her training. And then she became a producer on Broadway because she knew finance. Like, like you, you just never know. And she won a Tony. Her first time ever producing, she won a Tony as a producer while while she was still training as an actor. So it's 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 your individual life that 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 makes sense. And if and if you feel that working at wherever you are, it's really serving a part of your life where it's important, then listen to that. And if you feel that you're being taken advantage of, trust that you're being taken advantage of. (laughs) I think they're taking advantage of me. You think? If you feel that, then, you know, and then if they're not taking advantage of you, you think they're taking advantage of you, it's also telling you you shouldn't be there. You know, listen, listen to... Listen to those impulses. Listen to those. Listen to those. Um, those little um, nuggets of of idea that feels right in your body. Even when those little voices were just like, "Should I say this?" And said, "Don't say it." But your your wills. So something in your gut saying, "Say it, do it." But the the head's going, "No, don't do it." It's like that's the that's the that's that upbringing that that has torn you down for so long. That programming, and I find that when I like when I'm about to say something where like it's like, connected to a new part of my life or an uh, uh, an opening that I that I quite wanted that I really want, I'll I'll hear the like plebeian mind come in going, "You actually think you can do that." And I'll just say, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll go that far. And now it's the, now my, my, my impulses are louder than my judge. Or I, I, I think, I, think I, I like the plebeian mind because it's, it's, it's essentially those, little, those voices of people that don't have the vision that you have. You have to be the fantastical radical of your life. And if you're not radical about your life, how the hell do you expect someone else to be? You treat the world, the world treats you exactly how you want to be treated. And if you want to be treated like a fabulous artist, treat yourself like a fabulous artist. 
And then you can make your decisions on whether or not a job is has value for your life. But I, I, I can't decide that for you. No one can decide that for you. And the more you understand yourself, the more you keep going deeper in, the better artist you become. Because you start to connect to those, those, those values that have real meaning to yourself. And if you can connect to that, you can connect to a character's given circumstance, to a value that means a lot to them. But if you're not connected, it's, it's, it's mimicry. It's presentation. It's noise. It's a din. It's white noise. It's static electricity. So if you can't draw your attention and focus in, how do you expect someone else to be drawn into your focus? So who you are in your business, in your life off stage, if your life on stage, your life drawing, your life directing, is always there. <laughs> and so where we get into a place of how do you value yourself and how do we in the valuing of ourselves let our let that be more important than what anyone else thinks of us and what anyone else thinks we're worth because if there were to, if that were to happen like on on like a huge scale these kinds of jobs and scenarios couldn't even exist. And there'd be more infrastructure built around it to support a community of people who value themselves. Hmm. Boom. What do you think, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing because it's like because we get trained to not be human beings, we get programmed to think we're not human beings, and we get programmed to think that we're not uh, breathing the same oxygen, and that we are individuals, and that we're separate from the nature, and that we're separate from each other, and and it's all these are all lies. They are actual lies. They're not. It's not true. We are all connected, whether we like it or not. We live in this bubble. We're in this fishbowl called Earth. And I've, been, I've just been, it's funny, it's, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I've been finding, like, as I move, as I'm moving on to um, more um, elevated conscious places, that, like, the, when the moments in my life where I was in that pain, in that, in that trauma, in that um, aggressive, uh, uh, needing to rattle the, the, you know, shake it off, shake something, shake something out of, of my, um, the, the current situation, that the the kind of reverberation of that ex- response to something comes back to me and it doesn't hit me in the same way 
But it still needs to be, it, it still it still says, remember you did that? And because of, because I, I have I'm I'm in a different place and I'm feeling a lot more um um awake that it'll hurt, it'll ping, but it's like wow, it now goes in this place of like, wow, that really was a a an aggressive place to go. I that I needed to go to. But there could have been a different option. But at that moment, I couldn't see another option, and that's where that that's where that humbleness comes into play. Of like, wow, that was a, that was me. But I'm I'm not there anymore. I'm not there anymore. And I'm and a part of the cleansing and part of the washing away of those new thing of those old things into this new space is that it's kind of like when you have a cold and there's still that like that cough that comes back. You know, like when you have the big cold, it's like, you know, you long COVID and, and the chest hurts and it's like your body's saying, right? <laughs> like long, long COVID, COVID, right? But then there's yeah. like this cold, this, this cough that comes back and it's like, <laughs> there you are again. And it's, you can feel it just working its way out. It's working its way out. And then finally one day comes and it's gone. And I think that's the way, that's the way the world works. Like right now we are dealing with this horrible Roe v. Wade situation. You know, and it's forcing us to really look at ourselves as Americans, and that's part of the 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 gunk that we have to deal with. You know, and it's and it's a collective thing. You know, we have this horrible war between uh, this horrible attack. You know, on to the Ukraine by Russia. It's just like it. It's horrible. You know, um, and heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking that we still today, as a species of people, need war to resolve anything. We need to kill another person in order to resolve something. To kill people, kill children. And I just it, it's it's and you know I'm 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 spinning I'm spinning off the rails here because I think it's it's all connected. And now people are saying it's an, it's enough. I want to get paid for what I'm worth. I know it might be uncomfortable for you. But think about how uncomfortable it is for me that I can only got to eat your food. I can't go to a restaurant and have my own food. You know, so it's it's and it's that like that American value system of like me and mine, me and mine, as opposed to it's for us. It's a community. Yes, in Australia we play a shit ton of taxes, but you know what? When COVID hit, we were good, y'all. We were good because we had infrastructure to support us all. We have universal health care to support us all. We work together. What happened to United We Stand, America? <laughs> so yeah, that in a nutshell, I think that's that's also part of the American psyche when it comes to pay your dues. Because then what happens is I get to a place where I have paid my dues. Why the hell would I pull somebody else up? I I spent right. 
10 years yeah. making $20,000 I did the hard work. And now Why I'm making $100,000 a year. Pull Don't yourself be lazy. up by your own bootstraps. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a horrible culture. And you want to create a culture where people are talking and loving each other like we are now. Not like we were fighting earlier. We weren't fighting. Bickering. We weren't really fighting. We were bickering. That's, that's how we fight. We argue about <laughs> pronunciation of that, old words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're nerds. We're nerds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I should say, it's I should say, awesome you, to be a nerd. You, this is this isn't just an American uh, problem. This is becoming a worldwide problem. This was this was an, an inherent American kind of uh, mentality. My, me and mine, the individual cowboy out on the plains by themselves, taking care of everything. But it has it started to become a worldwide phenomenon just because America exports its culture. It's its number one export is is culture. So. Where these collective yeah. societies have been is starting to become more individualistic. And, you know, yes, Australia did a great job of, of you know, taking care of each other. But you know there are strains of individualism there. There are strains of me and mine there. And it's growing. And oh, man. And, that, no, and we no, have to fight it's, it. It's, we have tall poppies, right? Yeah. You know, so, it's I mean, like it's, extraordinary it's, it's mediocrity. To tall poppies. Thank you, Jack Burmester. It's it's something we have to fight as a as artists and as uh, a society as well. That that well, I got mine. Why should you get yours? It's not a zero sum game. If I do well, it doesn't mean that you can't do also do well. A rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, but it doesn't work. You know, and that's what I loved about Sarah Claire as well. But she was like. Her, part of her provocation was to the young young people that you don't do this alone, specifically yeah. young women. You, you, you don't do it alone. Look to your left, look to your right. Who's on your side? Who's side by side with you? Who are you locking arms with? Yeah. You don't Who do this alone. You can't do it alone. Exactly. That's part of the setup. Yeah. Oh, Lord. That was the um, an impassioned look at um, theater. <laughs> I think we should take a break and then come back with some provocations. What do you think? I believe that's a um, good idea. Jack, I th- I think Jack needs to give us um, some um, some tunes. Yeah, some yeah. will. I, I think I want it should some, be. I want some will music. Some will, yeah. Something get guys. Get us in our pelvis. Can you, de- Jack? Can you please decolonize our hips, please? Please decolonize <laughs> our hips, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary conforming individuals. The stereo sounds of J D B. Jack David.
Yeah, boy. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. That was so good. Yes, 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 yes. So now that I'm in my will, Adam Marple. Yep. Do you have a provocation? I have three thoughts. Maybe they're provocative. I don't. I don't think so. Oh. Thought number one, niche is the proper pronunciation. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going down that rabbit hole again. Uh, so no, no. Three, I have three thoughts. Three thoughts. Um, my first thought is, and I was thinking this when you are talking about this, and it's very, very difficult, even for me now to hear this, but if I could have a, a young artist hear this and really understand it and take it in and, and work with it. Your career is a marathon, not a sprint. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm. And it's the things you do now that are going to pay off later. Mm. So you didn't get this one job. Well, there are not a lot of roles written for young people in theater currently. They're in, those roles tend to go to 30 to 40-year-olds. <laughs> and we know <laughs> that, you, that you just get better. That you just, the longer that you're in it, the better you become. As long as you don't become ossified, as long as you have that mm. nimbality, as Sarah Claire Corporandi calls it. So if you can start yes. to embody. Nimbality, Sarah Claire. If you can start to embody that idea that it's a marathon and not a sprint, it will start to open your eyes and clarify some things for you. So that's my first thought. My second thought I want to replace the word. The, the phrase paying your dues with investing in yourself. Mm. Whenever you come across mm. somebody who says you need to pay your dues or you, or you come across a thing and, you, and you're in your mind, you go, well, you know, I got to pay my dues. I want you to replace that thought with investing in myself. And if you're, and if when you say I need to invest in myself and then that project no longer looks like something you need to do, then listen to yourself mm and invest in yourself. If this is not an investment in you, even, even if the investment mm. is, I need to invest in myself so that I can pay the gas bill. Maybe that is what the investment is this mm. month. Replace, pay, mm-hmm. pay your dues with investing in yourself. That's my second thought provocation. My third thought, my third provocation, this comes to us from um, uh, the world of medicine. These are doctors, surgeons uh, have this. this oh, you, you got to give us some medicine now. Okay, Dr. Yeah. Um, Adam Marple, give us some medicine. So uh, there's something that surgeons do, and it's called do one, learn one, teach one. And how they divide their time is um, doing one, one third of their job is doing, so surgery. Uh, another third of their job is teaching. And another third of their job is learning. So research, development, things like that. If you can start to think of your life as an artist as do one, learn one, teach one, you can make some money, you can still train, and you can still do that work. And it's something that I think we we think it's all or none. It's it's all or one. Whereas doctors figured this out a long time ago. So those are my three thought provocations. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me I'm a surgeon? Because I already do one, teach one, learn one. Well, Dr. Booty. I'm a surgeon? You're a doctor. You're going to be a doctor in two months. <gasps> oh, my 
my god. <laughs> I I did I did theater surgery. That's right. You you heal the soul. <laughs> I, I actor surgery. I will yeah. doctor up your given circumstances. That's right. <laughs> I can't save your life, but I can good, save your play. Those are really good. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot save your life, but I can make sure that people believe it when you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, that's those are really good. Those are really good, and I I think I just have one provocation. I think it's just time for you to take some inventory. Mm. Are you keeping your rent low? <laughs> are you keeping your rent low? And if you're not, why? 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 Can you afford it? Can you afford? to pay the bills that you have? Or can you make it so that you have more freedom to not need to pay the bills so much as learn your lines? Nimbality. Nimbality. Um, that's a word that was created by Sarah Claire. Mm-hmm. Nimbality. It'll also be in the Merriam-Webster we Dictionary. You hear that, Sarah Claire? Nimbality is in the dictionary, so you didn't make it up. No, no, no. I'm saying she's she's gonna add it to the dictionary. She didn't, she made it, she absolutely made it up. <laughs> I thought we were going down another nope. road. Well, nope. you know, this but this is the thing. That's how words become words because people make them popular, and that's the way productions happen as well. Mm-hmm. Um exactly. but Adam Marple. Yes. How will we know that these beautiful listeners who listen to our our day <laughs> did this? They're going to go to speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Again, speakpipe.com backslash theater of others. Theater with an Ooh. R-E, theater of others, all one word. You can leave a 90-second voice message on there. We'll play it on air. Mm. We'll answer your question or we'll do your provocation. If your voice is something that you don't want us to hear, that's so sad, but you do want to send us a question anyway, you can send it to podcast at Theater of Others. <laughs> and if you don't want to send us an email message, you can also send us something at Instagram, Facebook, or our website. We're in the gram, y'all. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. And, uh, and you'll know about these things. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Exactly, that's right. How are you going to know about these things, as Adam was about to say, if you don't subscribe, mm-hmm. we drop into your inbox once a week and you can hear us <laughs> argue over a pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's really funny because I keep saying, I, because you, because I was like really like, I, I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that we did, did like, started the podcast, like, fighting. Like, that was really bad. Like, and then you put it into context, we're like, we're fighting over the pronunciation of a word. Yeah, we're, we're, and I was like, oh my God, that. <laughs> yeah. But it Nerd felt like my body remembers it as we were fighting. <laughs> Remember that time when I beat you? My body remembers it as. <laughs> Yeah, my body remembers it as we almost broke up. <laughs> mm-hmm. This was our, it was almost our last podcast today because of 
<laughs> niche, ni- niche niche gate. Niche niche gate broke us up. <laughs> niche niche gate. <laughs> niche niche gate. Okay. Uh-huh. It's a thing now, y'all. Niche 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 gate. It's also a voice, a voice pronunciation <laughs> <Yeah>. exercise. <laughs> Say go. that 10 times fast. Niche niche gate. Niche niche gate. Niche 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 There's your vocal warm up. But you know what? Yeah, there you go. There's there get those get those those fricatives, those continuous sounds. Um, but you know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. You need to do with my Uber Iver. Uber Iver. My Uber Iver. Oh lord! I just ruined my beautiful segue with the with you the did. mispronunciation. You did. You did. <laughs> ah, the pain, the pain, shame, shame. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so, um, I've got an Uber driver, and uh, I've got one Uber driver. I call one. him every day. I call him yeah. once a week, actually, and he says, "You give me five star, I give you five star. Five star, five star, five star. You give me five star." I give you five stars. So why don't you give us five stars, y'all? Give us five stars. And if you like us, if you really, really like us, put a ring on give it. us a comment. Give it, put a ring on it. If you really like us, put a star on it. <laughs> wow. Oh, Adam Apple. <laughs> yeah. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> it's so good to see you with your new backdrop. My wall, just a, just a random wherever wall. you are. Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah, traveling. it's the random wall wherever you are. <laughs> Sitting on, st- I'm on always my in knees. the move, y'all. Always, you gotta stay ready, so you ain't gotta get ready. You're you're, you're podcasting on your knees. I'm pa- podcasting on my. You're knees. podcasting yes. on your knees. Yes. So you're saying you're prostrating to me. And on that note, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. No, wait. We can't go bye. We'll say we'll see you next week. See, Adam, you can't segue the proper way. Exactly. (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary conforming individuals, we're here once a week. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Theater Brothers Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theaterbrothers.org, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. A special thank you to Purple Planet for the music you've heard. The Theater Brothers creates a shared community of artists and audiences for the purposes of exploring the most profound issues of our lives and times. We believe the play watches the audience. The audience is necessary and they are witness to what happens. And you get to be witness to us making that happen. The purpose of this podcast is to open up our process and let you in. We're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, and encouraging you to follow along, to ponder, prod, and question. To join us and criticize us if need be. Being a witness is no passive task and requires much from you. Are you up for the journey? Be sure to tune in next week for our next journey. <laughs>